understanding that there is a God that is so loving that he's willing to actually send his son to the world to take care of our wrongdoing and actually make it a blessing. Like, how about this melting pot that put everything that we had done wrong, and then he just said, oh, you know what? This is going to take with me to the cross now. And then having that resurrection is also understanding that all of us are in the same plate as human beings. So we need to actually be there for each other and help each other. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm Melissa Rao, your host. And today, Bishop Wright is still traveling to, uh, he's in Ghana, traveling home from the Diocese of Cape Coast. And today we are joined by a special guest, the Reverend Edgar Rotero. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's an honor. Yeah, so you, you've got a, an active ministry in the Diocese of Atlanta. I understand you are the priest in charge at St. Anthony's Episcopal Church. And That's I think correct. you're also, is it the upper school chaplain at St. Benedict's Episcopal School? That's also correct. Fabulous. So tell us just a little bit about who you are and, and what brings you to uh, this life in ministry in, this, in the Diocese of Atlanta. Well, very long story short, um, I am originally from Puerto Rico. I was born and raised there. I moved to the state when I was 21 years old, actually uh, seeking a vocation in the Catholic Church um, as a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Atlanta. And then uh, life happens, you know, so I, I ended up that and I returned back to Georgia. I was at that point starting out, uh, outside of the state, but I returned to Georgia because Georgia was home for some weird reason, you know, since I've put a foot in this state, it was home. It was like, this is this is my home. So, you know, after many years of doing some stuff, teaching, working actively in, uh, in some churches, I find home in the Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. And when I find home in the Episcopal Church, this is what's after, you know, we get married and everything. Uh, but one day I was just sitting in, 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 in my parish uh, in Oakwood, St. Gabriel's, and I was sitting there and then suddenly, you know, somebody just nabbed on my shoulder and said, hey, do you want to help out over here, you know, as a vestry? And I said, like, what's a vestry? So finally, <laughs> you know, I served in the vestry and when I was there, Father Peter Wallace was the piece in charge at back then. And he just one day told me, you know, why do you don't think to become a priest in the Episcopal Church? And then I shared my story with him that, you know, the many years that I spent in, in Catholic seminary, so we just, let me think about it. That's not something I just wanted right now, but start thinking about it. Finally, uh, so I started working in St. Benedict's as a Spanish teacher. And, and then, you know, being in both places, you know, I decided to do it. And, you know, we went to that Here I Am retreat uh, weekend. And long story short, here I am. You know, That's like awesome. I never expected just to be back in ministry, but now, you know, Moving from the Spanish teaching in the same school and serving as a chaplain now is also a blessing because the kids saw the transition. Uh, I had some students that were there for the first time with me since I arrived, and they're graduating now from the school. So it has been like a, a blessing to see that. And also starting serving in Winder as a priest in charge right after ordination. So it has been, you know, a roller coaster of emotions, but it has been an awesome, awesome time. That's great. So how long have you been in ordained ministry? I was ordained in January 26, 2022. All right. Okay. This is great. So last week we had a newer bishop on, and now we have a newer priest on. This is really great. So I'm going to ask you this big question. 
uh, we are in the season of Easter. And I'm curious if you can articulate what is the good news? Um, I guess probably because my first Easter uh, in San Antonio, you know, being a newly ordained, I was just mostly worried about that I was doing the right thing, you know, <laughs> that I was following, you know, all the liturgies, that I have all the elements. So it was, you know, being, you know, a priest uh, in church alone in that area. So, you know, I had no help. So I was like more worried about, you know, what to do. This year was really different because this year I was able to sit down and enjoy from the priest perspective everything that has happened in this liturgy. Uh, I was able to see environment, that, that environment of people understanding what resurrection is, receiving many questions about, uh, so all this stuff that, that we read in, 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 in the scriptures and everything that we are doing, is that actually, you know, how that we can bring that to the to this century? Because sometimes we are like spectators in the church. We sit there and we just read the scripture. Yeah, that was something that happened. But how we can bring that to today? And I think that this year, our entire uh, season of Lent, and now even throughout our Easter season, we are trying to see how our mental health is involved in all this. My entire Lent with them was about, you know, understanding our bodies, understanding what our minds are saying to us and how we can bring the scripture to our own sake and understanding how that is. And especially during this time of Easter, we were able just to go into in, trying to get into deep waters with the whole episode of the resurrection because John, uh, especially like chapter 20 of John this year, that is like, you know, the resurrection. Then you have Mary Magdalene. Then you have, you know, the, the 10th uh, apostle sitting without Thomas. And then finally having Thomas in that chapter 20, for me, is the real environment of who we are as Christians, because understanding that Jesus came back and the first thing that say, hey, I'm real. This is not a ghost. It is, uh, you can touch me. Hey, go over here. You know, you have something to eat. So everything is understanding that we can achieve that uh, understanding. And at the same time, we can achieve the grace of the resurrection here in this body. It is not a, some, an achievement that we are waiting for, you know, in the future when we pass from this life and we finally go to heaven. It's not that. It's about the, how we can enjoy that resurrection here today. And in our particular uh, context in San, San Antonio's and Winder, it was uh, a year of resurrection. Because when I started in this church, we had like 70 people sitting there ready to close the doors. And, uh, and seeing back now to this Easter, this year, that we had to bring even chairs into the sanctuary, not because I was there, but because they started understanding that they have a goal in life that they understand that this place could be a, a, a place of grace when understanding what the resurrection is so we can bring the good news outside of that of that place. It is not a place just to go and just listen. It is a place to actually you understand what God is doing for you and understand that God is there with you in your now so we can go into the world and do that. And it doesn't have to be with the priest in there. That's the other part. We have been trying just to get, hey, I will be there for a short season, but this is the place that all your family have been growing since the 60s, and we need to continue moving forward. So I have seen that resurrection story, uh, what I'm watching the congregation just growing and, and, and getting more engaged in everything that we do. That's great. I love that. So uh, you, you use the word embodiment, embodying. Uh, 
and I'm, I, I think if Bishop Rob were here, he might say, you know, that's when you get your, your mind and your behind in line, <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, being able to embody the good news and then taking that out and living it daily, not just on Sunday mornings. Right. What does that look like in your context with students? How do you, how do you talk about a real living Christ or the spirit and, and how, how are you able to help them integrate that truth and that reality into their lived lives? In the school uh, setting, it's completely different because, as you know, probably in the Episcopal education, uh, it is a little bit more open model, being that you have many religions under the same building. So we don't only have, you know, Christians, we have Hindus, we have, you know, Muslims, we have uh, Jewish brothers and sisters. So we have, you know, all religions in there. So it's a little bit different. But the first thing that I always say, especially in this season of Easter, I remember just preaching about this in chapel and talking in my, my classes in the, in the upper school, is about that all religions, we share the same thing. Because we have three basic things that we share. We share that honor of that supreme being that in our case we call God, that we sometimes even assign the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Others call it Allah, others call it you know, Yahweh, whatever that name that we use, we have that respect this human, or this, that supreme being. We, secondly, we have that respect of humankind because all religions, we are trying to do the same thing. We try to achieve that community. So understanding community, then we can actually help each other grow. And the third part is usually is just talking about creation, how you can respect creation so the future generation have a place to live. <laughs> so those basic three things is the basic that I use to try to explain what this resurrection meant for us. Understanding that there is a God that is so loving that he's willing to actually send his son to the world to take care of our wrongdoing and actually make it a blessing. Like how about this melting pot that put everything that we have done wrong and then he just say, you know what, this is going to take with me to the cross now. And then having that resurrection is also understanding that all of us are in the same plate as human beings. So we need to actually be there for each other and help each other. I always said at the end of the day, sometimes, you know, people trying to put, you know, uh, labels in Christian labels for doing things. But I'm seeing just a decent human being working. That's a Christian for me, even though they are not. So and we have that interaction with the kids. And I think that is actually uh, great. They just uh, love to see how we can integrate all the religions that are in the, in the, in the, in the same classroom. And at the same time, trying to honor them. Uh, but at the same, of course, in chapel, you know, we go full force Episcopalian, you know. But, uh, but especially in the classroom, we try to uh, appreciate how they can actually understand resurrection. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was very uh, uh, touching this week because I have one of my uh, students that is actual, uh, their family is Jewish. And I say, how would you, if I ask you, how would you understand resurrection in your context? And he just look at me and he goes, well, uh, the only thing that I can say is this. It's pretty much the promise of Yahweh fulfilled, but I don't know yet how to explain it. But I'm good that you explain it that way. And, and you, got, you got me thinking. You got me thinking. And he left it like that. So that was the, <laughs> the yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. That's really great. Friends, we're going to be right back after this short break. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. 
And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. So Edgar, you you are both in ministry with a church and a school. Can you describe the demographic of your community and your in your faith community at St. Anthony's? Yes. Um, our community is uh, most of our folks that are going right now uh, are from the mostly from the Barrow County area. Uh, we do have a couple of families that have come from different places. Um, right now, we have a family that, that have the roots from uh, from Africa that are one of she's actually one of the best members right now. Uh, so we have Puerto Rican family, my family. Um, so and now we have every single age that you can imagine right now, because we have from the youngest that is around two years old, uh, from the oldest that is close to 85. So we have that range of uh, ages right now. Um, we just started our, I just started, you know, I know that Bishop Rob likes the experiments. So I started an, ex- an experiment that is not new for me, but it's new for them. We were starting like a children's chapel during service because there was nothing for kids in the last probably 12 years in that church. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, we have our first kids Easter egg hunt this this time, this year, and they didn't have that in the last 12. So it was something, you know, awesome to see. Uh, but in the church, we have pretty much everything right now, everything from every background. Um, so it's, it's a, we're starting to get into a melting pot. Um, you know, he's adding more different elements right now in that. That's great. Industry. And the so ages. Well, I imagine some of our listeners might be thinking, okay, yeah, this is this is where the story is Easter, and we're talking about resurrection. And you very specifically highlighted your resurrection story in your church, in your congregation, um, that it's 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 grown almost. Oh, is that a hundred percent? Over the last year, it was uh, 230% we grow. 230%. And so I imagine some people are like, okay, yeah, how? <laughs> I, it's one thing to talk and preach and believe resurrection, but what's, what's the stuff that you're protecting? What do you think is important uh, for people to know or to consider in, in shifting their own culture or their climate? I think that the main thing that we have done is we just cut everything that is non-related to the current events. Let me explain myself. Uh, especially, for example, something that uh, I know, uh, forgive me, Bishop Wright, for what I'm about to say, and I know that many <laughs> seminaries uh, always teach you about, you know, some style of preaching and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the first three weeks there, I noticed that I needed to shift the way that I was taught how to preach. <laughs> so what I started doing is that always looking for what is new in the scripture that nobody's talking about. There's a lot of people that go and research for sermons and you do, of course, your preparation for, you know, everything. And you look at your commentaries and you look, you know, who have preached about this reading for all this time. But I have been trying to look for stuff that nobody's preaching about like, what is that part of the reading that jumped to me that I would love to somebody to preach to me? That's the first thing. Second, every time that I just stand over there, I try to preach to myself. I'm not preaching to anybody. 
because when I'm preaching to myself, um, then I, I can recognize that I need the same amount of grace or probably more than anybody that is sitting in those pews. Uh, and that has been one of the key elements that people say, hey, but when you talk sometimes, you know, I, I've never seen the reading that way. And that ignites a desire to actually go back home and read the scripture again to actually see what's going on. And in multiple times, they come back to me and they say, hey, um, last week you said something. I went back and studied it and I've never seen it that way. Can we sit down and talk a little bit more? Of course. And sometimes even, you know, my adult education, I just throw it to the ground, my, my plans, and I just go for whatever the spirit is flowing. Uh, That's one of the things. The other thing is also pushing uh, all the lay members of the church knowing that they are not there. They're the first order. And they have to understand that being the first order, they're the first order right there is the laity. You know, we are pretty much, you know, in a lower, <laughs> in, the, in the name of our order in the Episcopal Church. So they have to understand that their church is there. They have to protect it. They have to be family because being family, that's what actually make everybody else at the beginning of this enterprise called, you know, the Jesus movement, that people start saying, hey, Nobody said, oh, how well Peter preached today. Let's go over there. It was mostly about they love each other. Okay, but okay. So I hear everything that you're saying. I'm going, yes. And I'm like snapping my fingers like 100% amen. Yet what does that look like? Like how are you getting that message out that they're accepting? So, you know, yes, I'm a minister. I'm a lay person. And that means something to me. And I have theological education. <laughs> And so how do you, the priest or the clergy, or even maybe other lay leaders convince a body of people to get them on fire for living out their daily lives as a disciple? Right now, I think it's just pretty much make sure that you are there uh, understanding that, for example, we have a great uh, number of people that they're uh, in tune with what's happening. When somebody's in the hospital, you hear the phone, hey, someone's in the hospital, man. Uh, wow. So we need to do something about it. Someone just called or an email. Someone's needing a prayer right now. They are not about to tell you what it is because they don't want to disclose that, but let's pray for that person. And then we receive messages and social media have been a, a big thing. Um, actually, I was grateful that, that the Bishop at Eastern, you know, even helped us out with that. Uh, and we got, you know, a camera system that now we're using to uh, live stream this and we have people from different places, you know, connecting with us. People that were uh, part of the beginning stages of this church in the 60s that now they can watch it at home because they're in a living, uh, in a, in a living assistant facility that they can actually watch it. Um, and then getting uh, that personal touch. Uh, I think that probably, you know, the... Our peace in the church is probably one of the longest in the diocese because we just hope everybody and that's the only <laughs> that we do it. So I have no problem of, you know, let that go. The size allows it, uh, the size of the church. Uh, but at the same time, also at the end, uh, people just checking out with each other. Uh, they're getting more involved in, uh, we have a, a, a closed closet that they have a, a thrift store that we assess. Uh, this week, the entire church, even though we are so small, we are completely, you know, paying the entire food load for the uh, food ministry in, in, in the Winder Town area. So um, we continue in that connection with the other churches. So, yeah. 
Edgar, before we we break, I'm just curious. Uh, Bishop Rob will often ask people, their special guests, if they have a special Bible verse, a special person in the Bible, or a special Bible story that is their favorite. Do you have one that you'd like to share with the group? I do. I have a couple, but um, recently we read mine, which is Thomas, the story of Thomas. I know that many people have preached about, you know, doubting Thomas. Even we call it, you know, sometimes doubting Thomas Sunday. Um, but in my case, for me, Thomas is the only one that were actually, you know, real enough to look at the rest in the eyes and say, I'm sorry, but I need to have my own experience. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that is the right word to say. I need to have my own experience. We are not here to experience God through the eyes of others. We are here to actually experience, have our own experience, so we can actually share that experience uh, with others. Not that they can live it through us, but they, it is hope in there. I can see the Lord. I can feel the Lord. I can hear the Lord. And actually, I can understand that God is working in my life, so now I can tell the story. And that's probably Thomas is uh, uh, my favorite character because, you know, he, I even remember preaching uh, when I was still a seminarian in my assigned parish. Uh, I actually that day even bring the, a picture, uh, a big picture of, the, I know you have seen it, that is Thomas, you know, with these big eyes, uh, mouth open, hands open, like, is you uh, type of picture. And I just did my sermon on that picture because it is a moment in which we realize that it is important to understand my humanity. And um, uh, Thomas' humanity was, I will not believe until I see or I touch. And sometimes our humanity is now, God is not going to touch my life in that way. No, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not doing that. And Thomas' story is telling us otherwise. You know, when Jesus went over there, yeah, Jesus went, come on, boy, touch it right here. <laughs> this right here, it is me now, believe, boy. I love that. <laughs> I got goosebumps too when you were sharing that story. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, thank you again, uh, Edgar, for your time, for your incredible ministry with the folks at St. Andrews and the upper school. It just sounds like it's it's going like gangbusters and I can't wait to hear about it. And maybe even just a year from now when you grow another 230%. (laughs) That's the hope. That's the hope. It's it's our prayer. Well, thank you so much. And listeners, we're grateful to you for tuning in to Four People. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.